things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy, coming at you as I love to do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. That's K-N-O-W, not just N-O, a double entendre. A lot of reasons that'll be appropriate today because we're expecting to have the one and only Mr. Jake Paul on himself to holler at your boy, and I can't wait to have a conversation with them. Why would I want to have a conversation with Jake Paul, by the way? There are some people that would ask that question. There's some people that would ask the question as to why I want to talk to a lot of people that I want to talk to, particularly in the world of social media, which is what today's show is all about. Today's show is about social media. This podcast is about social media. Social media influences the new frontier. It's not that new when you really, really think about it if you're just talking about social media. I mean, Instagram's around, Facebook's been around for a while, Twitter's been around for a while, YouTube's been around for a while, TikTok is here, obviously, in some people's eyes, it's here to stay. We got a whole bunch of stuff that we're looking at right now. So why is that a subject that should be relevant to any of us? I'll tell you why. Because they do matter. My man Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors, the NBA world champion Golden State Warriors, is fond of talking about new media. And he's talking about new media because in his world, he's alluding to athletes that get in front of the microphone and in front of the camera and be willing to articulate and elocute their thoughts in such a fashion that you've got to deal with them. No longer are they dependent and placed at the mercy of the fourth estate, meaning the media, to interpret and manipulate and dictate their narrative. They ain't having it anymore. It's a new day they're ready to tell you. But I got news for you. They ain't saying it because of linear television. For those of you who don't know what linear television is, that's the regular television airways, network television, cable television, what have you. You get in front of your TV screen with your remote control, you turn on the TV, that's linear television. Radio is dissipating before our very eyes, disintegrating, some would say, in favor of podcast. Why? Because podcasts are a bit more personal. And you don't have to get yourself married to a particular time and time slot where the only way anybody can listen to you is if they're clicking in on that time. Stephen A. Smith, or from 3 to 7 p.m. We got to find a 3 to 7 p.m. or we got to wait until tomorrow. That no longer exists. In the world of podcasting, it's a different day. And because it's a different day, this is the situation. It's more personable. You get to sit up there and tape when you want to tape, record when you want to record, capture any angles that you want to, and you don't even have to be concerned about FCC airwaves. All of those things are relevant. But you know what usurps it all? 
What usurps every single point that I've made? It's social media. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in a world of sports. Once upon a time, I was working for the New York Daily News. That was a top seven paper in the United States of America. It had subscribers totaling nearly one million. New York Times, Washington Post back in the day, even today, who knows how many subscribers they have. But it was hovering around those low seven-figure numbers or high six-figure numbers. The tabloid papers, the broadsheet newspapers. See, the tabloids is the tabloid. They get more sensationalized or whatever. Broadsheets are considered more straight news, that kind of thing. New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, that's considered broadsheet. New York Daily News, Philadelphia Daily News. That's considered more tabloid-ish. Literal tabloids are things like the National Enquirer. But I digress. The reason I'm mentioning all of that is to tell you that at least in the eyes of those who have cachet, who have influence, because they have large, inordinate amount of numbers of followers over social media, they don't have to pay attention to any of that anymore. In their eyes, you no longer get to dictate the narrative. They own that themselves and they ain't apologizing for it. It's who they are. It's what they believe. And I'll be damned if they don't have some kind of a point. We just got to pay attention to this stuff, whether we like it or not, because it's the absolute truth. No social media isn't going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And everybody that doubts it, you ain't paying attention. And that's why you see the world shifting the way that it has. Because people know they don't have to capitulate to conventional norms that they believe they've been imprisoned by for far too long. Stephen A., what the hell are you talking about? I'll make it plain for you. Again, I cover the world of sports. I just gave you the number of subscribers in newspapers, got ratings in television where popular shows, you know, you got five, 10 million people watching you. LeBron James has 134 million followers on Instagram. Shaquille O'Neal is at 27.2 million and he retired years ago. He's just on TNT. Steph Curry, the greatest shooter God ever created, and a four-time NBA champion himself, just like LeBron, has 46.7 million followers. Would you like me to venture beyond that? Let me go down the list. Snoop Dogg was on this show a little over a week ago, blessing us with his presence. You know, one of the reasons it was so valuable to have him on, other than his brilliance and the fact that he's my brother and I love him dearly, he's got 77 million followers on Instagram alone. Another brother who promises me at some point in time in the near future he's coming on is going to be the great Kevin Hart, comedian extraordinaire, actor as well, director, producer, all of this other stuff. Kevin Hart has 155 million followers on Instagram. Let me lean to the research that my crack staff has assembled for me. Kim Kardashian, 331 million Instagram followers. 
Got a television show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, that's ran for the last 20 seasons over the span of 14 years. Become one of the longest running reality TV series in the United States. In history. Her clothing company, Skims, is worth in excess of $3.2 billion. You don't think her 331 million Instagram followers had something to do with that? You don't think so? Because I got news for you. It most certainly has. Look around, pay attention and see what's going on. And then you'll understand the impact, the kind of impact that we're alluding to, that we're talking about. That in some cases, people are lamenting because guess what? If you got a strong social media following, you may not be in complete control, but you're in control of your destiny and your narrative, your narrative a hell of a lot more than others are. Charlie D'Amelio. Joined TikTok in late 2019. Lip syncing and doing dance videos. That's exploded her popularity. Now she's got over 100 million TikTok followers and she's on Dancing with the Stars. That's what she's doing. By the way, there are negative moments that come with popularity in the world of social media. I mean, remember when uh, co-host for, for The View, Sonny Houston, uh, called her a prime example of misappropriating dances? Houston said, quote, black TikTokers create these incredible dances that go viral like the renegade dance and savage. And then you see white teenage women misappropriate that content and make millions of dollars off of it. Yes, she said that. I ain't getting into all of that. I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out. Kaby Lane. A comedian and influencer who as of September of this year, last month has the most followers at 150 million worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, all he does is post a video and then literally point out easy things people make difficult. He literally has a video where he just unpeels a banana. That's it! Unpeeling a banana! And he's got 150 million followers. 150 million people watching. Kanoa Green, a black adventurer. 29.7 million followers on Instagram. She's a former opera singer who now works to tear down stereotypes of what people with bigger bodies can do. I'm sure Lizzo knows about her. She started a virtual gym in 2015 and now surfs, hikes, sails, and teaches Yoga. The list goes on and on. What's the importance of social media? To some people, it's a level of freedom. Because when you get to control your narrative and other people don't get to be messengers for your message, they don't control your narrative. Guess what? In your eyes, they don't control you. Now, you've got some people in media that's appalled by this. I've never had a problem with it. My attitude is it's always made my life easier. Because the more followers you have, the more you have to appeal people or appease people. And by virtue of having to appease them, you've got to communicate in some way, shape, form or fashion. Some in the form of videos. Others in the form of you speaking and verbalizing your thoughts and opinions. Others with just gyrations. Across the social media stratosphere. Either way you slice it, you're sending a message about yourself. 
And by virtue of that message you're sending out about yourself, there's people like me who get to interpret them. But in the end, no matter which way we slice it, they still have extreme power. And you know why they've been given that power? Because the world is manipulated by impact. We got politicians that care more about perception than reality. They know what their reality is. Some would argue they make a concerted effort to disguise the reality to the American people or the people throughout this world because they want to control the narrative. Why do you think you see in politicians with social media accounts now? It's about disseminating a message. You might have taken Donald Trump off of Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I got news for you. Donald Trump Jr., who never campaigned a day in his life for damn office, who was not the president of the United States. He's got 6.2 million followers. Just because we know who his daddy is. And as a result of those 6.2 million followers, do you know what? People have actually contemplated whether or not he should run for president of the United States of America. That's the power of social media. Now, people wonder why I don't mention it enough. Oh, Stephen A., I mean, where does that leave you? Yeah, I got 5.7 million followers on Twitter. I got 4 million followers on Instagram. I got a total of like 12.3 to 12.5 million followers across my social media platforms. Why don't I mention it? Well, damn it, did you just hear the numbers I read to you? I mean, humility does have a place. Those numbers don't seem quite awe-dropping when you're reading that Kim Kardashian has 331 million followers on one platform. Or Kevin Hart's got 155 million on one platform. You're talking about people who outnumber me 20, 30, 50 times over on one platform that I have on all my platforms combined. The interesting part, though, is I still recognize I have an impact because those millions get grabbed and retweeted by those who have millions. And as a result, your message ends up getting disseminated. And because I'm on national television five days a week minimum, and I'm on national television a minimum of 10 hours a week, a minimum of 450 hours a year, aside from my podcast, aside from my social media platforms, You don't exactly get to get around me. One could argue the same for all the people I mentioned and then some. Because long gone are the days when becoming a celebrity meant you had to be either a movie star, a world-class athlete, or a genius musician. When you only gained notoriety by spending years with no money as you toiled away, knocking on doors and making connections. Because now, with the advent of social media, Instagram reels and reality television, if you're able to sit by a swimming pool and put a filter on your damn picture, you won't get just 15 minutes of fame. You might get 15 years worth of it. And making millions of dollars instantly. You can bring up college. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You got folks out there involved in social media. They said, the hell with college. What do we need college for? What do you do? You go to school to get your education. 
You go to college to get an education. You get an education so you can get a good job. You get a good job so it equates to good pay. Well, if social media allows you to bypass all of that, why the hell would the people involved in social media in a very successful fashion encourage you to go to college, especially in today's educational system? You got education inflation increasing at a higher rate than regular inflation. It just doesn't seem to be beneficial. Everybody wants a piece of the social media action because guess what? You get to leapfrog through steps and a regular mundane process of scratching and clawing your way to the top. They're saying, hell, why do we have to wait? We got, why do we have to bypass it? We can go get it now. We don't have to, we don't have to wait. Some would argue it's led to the degradation of our society. Because people are looking at us, those of us who have waited, those of us who have scratched the clawed, those of us who have toiled, and they're saying, y'all are pathetic. Look at what y'all go through just to get a check that, by the way, is a W-2, which means Uncle Sam takes away some of it before you even see it. Y'all don't know what time it is. Social media is the way to go. That's what they're saying. They might have a point in some respects. They might not have a point in others. But what I will tell you that's undeniable is that they are clearly relevant. Which is why I'm about to have my next guest on. He's got 20.1 million Instagram followers, 16.6 million TikTok followers, 20 million YouTube subscribers, and is worth over $30 million. He's a native of Cleveland, Ohio. He's a boxer. He's a former actor. He's an entrepreneur. He's a promoter. He's also an antagonist and a troublemaker who seems to be proud as hell of it as well. We're going to find out about all of that and why with our next guest. His name is Jake Paul. He's coming up on No Mercy with Stephen A. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? With me right now is a man who has more hyphens preceding his name than any other person I could think of. He's a YouTuber, a social media influencer, an actor, a musician, an app developer, a fight promoter, and professional boxer with a current undefeated record of 5-0. and oh. The problem child himself, the one and only Jake Paul, is here with me right now. Did I miss anything, Jake? Did I miss anything? Uh, people, people have called me a seashell collector. I, <laughs> I collect seashells at the local beaches here, so um, that, that's the only thing on, on the list that's missed. <laughs> well, listen, man, first of all, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being on my podcast. I was recently on yours for about a damn hour for crying out loud, getting peppered with questions by you. Well, it's my turn now, Jake Paul. It's my turn now. Let's you know, go. I got to get on. I got to get on you about something on a friendly level before we even start off this interview. I'm looking at some quote you gave in the Intelligencer in August of this year about me. About me, Jake Paul, you say, quote, um, maybe he was innovative 25 to 30 years ago, but he's been doing the same thing for 25 years. 
It's a new generation, a new era. None of these sports shows even have a million followers on TikTok. What, what, what's up, Jake? I, I thought there was love, Jake. I thought there was love. What, what's, no, what's that about? The, the part they took out is I respect I said I respect Stephen A. Smith so much. He's changed the sports landscape forever. I watched him growing up, right. and then I said that, um, right. which I, which I don't which I don't think is you know yeah. not all the way true. You know, I, I still think you're like one of the most influential people in sports. But I like who who are these younger kids gonna watch in five years? You know, talking about sports. There's no twenty year olds or twenty five year olds talking about sports. It's Pat McAfee is like 38, 39. It's, you know, you and your whole entire team. It's Shannon Sharp. It's Shaq. You know, there's there's really no new people coming into the scene. Um, and, and I guess that's more so like what I meant. And I think TikTok is the most important platform um, to engage audience. So... I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, first of all, a couple of things. I'm just messing with you, my brother. I mean, you didn't say anything <laughs> wrong or disrespectful or anything like that. The fact of the matter is most of those shows don't have a million followers on TikTok right now. I'm looking at your numbers and I read them off a little bit earlier. 20.1 million followers on Instagram, 16.6 million on TikTok, 20 million YouTube subscribers, 30 uh, worth 30 million dollars when you think about what you've been able to accomplish where do you feel you are now in your career and in your life how would you basically crystallize and explain who jake paul is at this day and age yeah no it's a great question man and um i think that i am just getting started in a, in a weird way, maybe like we're through chapter one. I, I learned a lot in chapter one, made a ton of mistakes, figured, finally figured out who I was. Uh, and that was through also the sport of boxing, uh, helping me figure that out. And um, I feel like when I turned 24, like everything changed. I'm 25 now, but that was like chapter one. And now I'm catching my stride. I know what my purpose is. I, I know what I'm here to do. I, I found my passion. I found what I'm, I'm good at. I know what I'm good at. I know my weaknesses. And so because of all of this, I feel like now um, I, I've just started to play this game of life. Um, and I, I have a great team around me now. It took right. me years, man. Like, I mean, I'm sure you know the struggle too. Like yeah. it takes you years to find those good people to be around you to help you build. Um, and so I finally feel like we have all of that now and uh, I'm, I'm hitting stride uh, and plan on doing big things. Crystallize for us the difference between you at age 25 compared to what you were. I don't want to say, I know you started your career off at the age of 10 for crying out loud. You've been yeah. doing your yeah. thing since 10 years of age. So I'm certainly not asking for you to crystallize the difference between 25 and 10. But I'm just talking about leading up to your 24th or 25th birthday because you're 25 years of age. What is the difference between Jake Paul now and a Jake Paul that existed, say, three to five years ago? Specifically, yeah, I, I think the Jake Paul from like five years ago was just lost and, and didn't really know what I was doing, um, didn't understand myself, didn't know myself and was just chasing success. But there was no meaning or purpose really behind it. It was just simply because no one from my family 
had ever been successful before, made a bunch of money before, made them a name for themselves before. Um, and so I was just out in Los Angeles sort of chasing any opportunity I could, I could possibly get. And I didn't stay true to my values in Los Angeles. I kind of molded to, to whatever was going on. Um, and Los Angeles will do that for you and you'll be surrounded by people and bad people. There's so many snakes out there and sharks and uh, it's easy to get taken advantage of. And um, yeah, I, I just didn't know who I was um, mm -hmm. and really was waking up every day doing the whole YouTube thing because I was good at it and I like understood it, but I knew it wasn't what I loved. And I think once you find what you love doing in the world, that's like the most pivotal moment of your life. And that for me was finding boxing. And that's really what started to change everything. Well, don't hate on YouTube, man. I mean, in 2018, Forbes magazine listed you at the, as the highest paid YouTuber, for crying out loud. So when you look at it from that perspective, one would argue, would Jake Paul be where he is today were it not for YouTube and some of the things you were doing in social media and some of the things that you were doing even prior to that? But I ask this question to you. Your nickname is The Problem Child. That's a beautiful, beautiful name to have in the sport of boxing. Outside of the squared circle, not so much. Yeah. How do you feel about having that nickname, considering the troubles that you articulated that you've endured? Yeah, no, it, it was a double-edged sword, man, because really, um, I felt like I had this target on my back from a very early age. And anytime I would make a mistake, because I, I, was, I was the golden boy on YouTube, the, you know, like you said, the, the highest paid, the most viewed, all this stuff. And so when I started to make silly mistakes and, and do things out of character, because like I said earlier, like I wasn't myself, I, I was just doing anything that I thought would get attention. Mm -hmm. And so when I started making those mistakes, I got this target on my back and I tried to show people you know, like, okay, this is like really who I am. I'm not this person who's making mistakes, but they just didn't want me to be that person. And they didn't care, you know, um, they didn't, they didn't see or want to see that side of me. Um, and so I, I became the villain and I became the bad guy and I had no other option other than to embrace it because me trying to show people that I'm a, I'm a good person wasn't working. And so I just embraced it. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. If people want me to be the bad guy, I'm going to I'm going to go for that. Uh, I'm going to lean into it. And once I did that, it, it I felt liberated. I felt a pressure, a relief off of my shoulders. And if you know me, you know, I have a massive heart. You know, I'm such a good person, uh, but I can I can play the villain. Growing up, I, I loved the Joker. I loved Bane. Um, and so I can lean into that role. I can turn it on, I, you know. So that is a part of who I am and a part of my brand. Um, and then once I started boxing at age 21, it was like, this is perfect. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a problem mm. all the way around the board. Um, I, I, I marvel at certain things that I see from you, man, because on one hand, I'm looking at a guy that started his career 
at the age of 10. I'm looking at this nonprofit foundation you started, Boxing Bullies for Crying Out Loud, started by you with the mission to instill self-confidence, leadership, and courage within the youth throughout the sport of boxing while using your platform, voice, and social media to fight back against bullying. But I'm also seeing, you know, you, you're, you're supportive of women's boxing. You're a big proponent of that. Amanda Serrano, you represent her, you promote her and what have you. What are people to believe about Jake Paul at this day and age, considering all the things that you encompass from the time you were a child to up to now, considering how popular you are and how you basically walk around letting everybody know you essentially get to do what you want to do. And I'm not saying that negatively because I don't know that I don't I don't know details and stuff like that. Yeah, no. Look, I mean, the the only way to tell someone's character is, is time, mm -hmm. um, and people and and the the truth always comes out about who people are, uh, and that's a fact. That that's the way it always has been. And that's the way it will always be. Mm -hmm. um, and so o over time, I've continued to to prove my character. Um, and, and continue to, to show the world who I really am. And, you know, when you're in the spotlight, when you're in the media, uh, you know, one of the most Google search names ever, there's going to be rumors. There's going to be people making stuff about you, uh, up about you. There's going to be allegations. There's going to be people suing you just to make some money, just because y y you looked at them the wrong way. Um, that's a part of this game. And, Going into this game, I didn't really know that. I, and I wasn't really prepared for that. But um, it is what it is. You know, I am who I am. And forever in this uh, era and this culture that we live in, there will be, you know, famous people who get shit, rumors and made stuff made up about them. Um, and it's up to the, to the public to, I guess determine whether or not they think it is true about those people. But I ask you this, getting the boxing and everything else that you're doing, when you talk about people targeting you, when you talk about people coming after you, have you been able to turn that around in your estimation? Has that contributed to your popularity to some degree? Because everybody don't have these amount of followers. Everybody doesn't have this account of cash. Everybody can't be a boxer promoting their own events, by the way, not needing promoters to help you doing businesses with networks. This is what you're doing for the sport of boxing, which I have to give you a boatload of credit for in some roundabout way has all the issues, all the challenges that you've endured, endured somehow found a way to work for you in your opinion. For sure. For sure, but only because of my mindset towards it. You know, there was there was so many times when I was the most hated person, most, you know, misunderstood person. People didn't get me or who I was. And I just had to keep on fighting to show the world that. Um, and that's literally what I've done. And I think people who thought of me a certain way before now reconsider at, at least you know, and if and if all they're doing is reconsidering, that's great. I think some even reconsider and are like, damn, I was wrong about this kid. But, yo, the, you know, when you're 20, 
you know, 17 years old, you move to Los Angeles, you make a bunch of money, you become famous, you, you're 20, 21, you, you add in drugs, alcohol, craziness, liars, cheaters, lawsuits, fucking backstabbing friends into the equation. Like, what do you expect to happen? You know? And so uh, that was really my life. And I finally was able to get away from that over the past two to three years because of boxing. Um, where was where was your brother? Logan Paul is a pretty popular dude who, by the way, can fight his damn self. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, listen, y'all got something going. What about your brother's role in your life? Because usually when you have a brother that you clearly see every time we see y'all at the fights at the very least, because I don't see y'all beside the fight too much. But every time I see y'all, y'all seem pretty tight. I would imagine that when you have two brothers that are so tight, y'all would help each other insulate one another from all of that nonsense you just talked about. What what happened to that? Uh, it, it's interesting. You know, we're, we're very close now, but before we weren't, we were each other's biggest competitors. And mm -hmm. so it created this weird relationship. Um, and that's where I go back to saying like we lost ourselves in Los Angeles because why like Los Angeles almost pitted two brothers against each other. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it wasn't it wasn't the healthiest relationship uh, for the longest time. But when we were at our very lowest, when, you know, it seemingly, you know, the, the Paul brothers were uh, no longer, you know, we were the laughing stock of Aaron and I, him and I were the most hated people. Um, that is when we realized, like, yo, what the fuck are we doing here? We, we need to come together stop all this nonsense um, and be on the same team. And when was this, Jake? When was this, Jake? I guess this is uh, like 2018, 2019. Okay. Like four years, four years, four, three, three, four years ago. Yep, yep. Wow. And and you said that y'all were both hated at that particular time. Why? At that time? For, for me, like, I, I when I look back and I'm like, yo, like, why, like, why? Do people hate me for X, Y, Z reason? It's a lot of just like fluff and and, and weird stuff. But for, for my brother, um, it, it was because of the the Suicide Forest video that he made. And that that's what that's what made him, you know, super, super hated and, and the, the target for millions of people. Um, so, yeah. So how did y'all ultimately come together? Did y'all just sit down, have a discussion and just said, you know what, we're we, we going to turn this all around. What exactly did you do to turn it all around? Because clearly both of you have. Yeah, look, it, it, it largely in part was because of boxing and mm. taking up and taking up fighting. And we um, we, we band together in training um, to start to beat people up because that was the that was the trend on YouTube at the time was. YouTubers fighting each other. Um, and so we were like, let's start training together. Let's fight back against all of this and let's knock some people out. Mm. And because of the training, uh, because of the challenge in front of us, the rivals we had uh, that, that, you know, we're going to, we're supposedly going to beat us in the ring. We formed this uh, team, I guess, together. And, and that, we had one goal and it was to win these fights. And that's really what banned us together and brought us closer in our relationship.
This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Let's go to path of your boxing right now, because you got an event coming up. Uh, it, it, it's, it's your production, MVP Productions, Paul versus Anderson Silva, former um, UFC champion, one of the greatest ever. This is a, a huge global event. Nobody could deny that. Bringing it to Phoenix in Glendale, Arizona on Saturday, October 29th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You're fighting Anderson Silva. By the way, tickets to attend the events live in person at Desert Diamond Arena can be purchased on Ticketmaster.com. So I want to make sure I threw that out for you. Um, Anderson Silver, I assume he will be your next victim. I have been on the record. You know, where you and I have tussled friendly, I might add, because I ain't trying to fight you. Uh, <laughs> friendly, I might add. But where you and I have tussled was when I, I, I religiously stated this point. You are pretty damn good. And there is no one who is not a boxer that needs to be in the ring against you or they're going to get themselves hurt. That is what, I, I mean, I still haven't seen Nate Robinson. I still can't find. I mean, I'm praying for him. I'm hoping he's better and the whole bit, but damn what you did to him. I mean, I remember Snoop Dogg calling a fight. Oh, Lord, that's what Snoop Dogg said, okay? I mean, I saw what you did to Ben Askren, who was a wrestler in the UFC, okay? Then you go and you fight a striker, you know? I, I, I mean, like my man Tyron Woodley, and you fought him twice. Second time, you knocked him out one punch, put him on his face. I'm just saying, when, when we going to get the fighters, the boxers, as opposed to UFC fighters, Jake Paul? When's that going to happen? Man, as soon as they'll get into the ring with me, it, realistically, you know, I had two professional boxers cancel fights on me multiple times. Um, who are and, they? Tell us, tell our audience who they are. Uh, it's it's Tommy Fury and Ra Ramen Noodle Jr. Um, <laughs> and so... I see Rockman Jr. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, Sorry, Ramen. Yeah. Um, Stop it. Go ahead. He, uh, they just don't want to fight me. They, they both came up with all of these excuses. Um, and it is what it is. But I will say, man, I, I'm trying. I, I'm only five fights in, okay? And I want to get these professional boxers into the ring. I want tough matches. I want tough opponents. And that's what I'm doing. Anderson Silva still did beat... Uh, a former world champion boxer and is one of the greatest strikers of all time. So when the professional boxers pulled out, I was like, all right, I know Anderson will get into the ring with me. He's not going to, he's not going to chicken out. Um, and this is still my hardest fight. He, he's better than Tyron Woodley. He's better than all of these guys. Um, and so I'm not overlooking him, but dude, I, I do want to get the professional boxers in there and all I need is time, you know, uh, five fights in most, most fighters don't even fight eight round fights. Most mm -hmm. fighters are fighting journeymen just to get a feel for themselves into the ring. But me, I was thrown into the deep end um, and fighting eight round uh, fights uh, against a, a much higher level opposition than most people in their fifth or sixth fight fight. If you be, I mean, I should say if, because you are a professional fighter, um, what weight division? do you plan on excelling at? Because if you're going to do this, considering the aspirations, considering the fact that you started off a career at age 10 and you went through your teenage years and now you're in a position that you're in and you're doing so many things, I can't imagine that you're doing this boxing for anything other than to be a champion, to be a world champion. Which weight class would that be in, Jake Paul? 
Yeah, look, I think it would be a light heavyweight, so 175 pounds. Um, so, you know, me and my team were working on the weight coming lower and lower. Um, so this is the best shape I've, I've ever been in in my whole entire life. Um, and as I continue to box, I'll just continue to drop in weight um, to hopefully one day make a run for the 175-pound world championship. Now, Jake, you do understand better than me, better than most, outside of the boxing world, that to be a champion, it takes a lot of discipline. A lot of people look at Jake Paul. The word discipline doesn't come to mind. Entrepreneur, pretty damn smart, very aggressive, very successful, innovative, popular. Those are words that come into play. But discipline is not the word that comes associated with you. And we could all be fooling ourselves because obviously you don't get in the ring looking out of shape. That's not who you are. But when you consider some of the world champions that are out there, I'll give you a few of them. I mean, you, you, Canelo Alvarez, you know how I feel about him. These yep. are uh, welterweights like Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. They're too small. We get all of that. The Charlo twins. Let's not forget them. David Benavidez. He's my favorite right now. He's a monster. He's something big. And at the light heavyweight division, where you presumably will be at, you got Baval who beat Canelo. You got Better Bev who is, I, I mean, I think he is the monster of monsters. Okay. Yep. So I, I guess what I'm asking you is this. To be wild and crazy like you come across, we know you put in your training. I would never insult you like that. We know you put in your training. You do what you need to do. The flip side is, is that you're talking about being a world champion. Do you believe that there's anything about you, your lifestyle, that you would have to alter in order to pull that off? I don't think so, man. I, I have the discipline nailed down right now. And I have for the past five fights. And I know everyone wants to see me lose. Um, and I treat every fighter and person that I'm going up against like they are a world champion and I do every single thing right. And even my boxing coaches who have been in the game for a total, there's three of them, uh, for a total of 80 years of combined experience, they say that I work harder and am more dedicated than any boxer they've ever seen. They've mm. compared me to Kobe. They've compared me and my mindset to, you know, people like Michael Phelps, um, Tom Brady. So the, the work ethic is there. And I'd say that's the number one thing I have that I attribute all of my success to. And boxing is a very, very uh, outdated sport in terms of um, – workouts and and stretching and meditation and manifestation and um it's outdated it's outdated man Mo most professional boxers show up at the gym don't even really warm up they you know they spar their rounds and then they go home that's that's pretty much how the sport is okay but doing, what do you do what do you they're do? not doing the the strength and conditioning the squats the hang cleans the deadlifts i'm doing 30 minutes of acro yoga after every practice stretching cooling down my body um you know w working on my hands 20 minutes of meditation uh in, in the morning eating perfectly i have all of the best recovery equipment red light therapy cryotherapy ice baths um, PEMF machines, nano V breathing, oxygen, oxygen machines. Um, so I know, so, and the reason why I'm so dedicated and, and know that I will catch up to these guys who were supposedly boxing for their whole life and are supposed to be better than me 
is because every single day, I think I work 20% harder. And so you compound that over three to four years, I can catch up to these guys. Um, and that I know that I'm behind the eight ball. I know I started late. And so I have to do more than these guys to mm -hmm. catch up. Just a few more questions here with Jake Paul. Do you feel the world of boxing needs you or the world of sports needs you, period? And if so, why? I would say definitely the world of boxing needs me. I think there's so much room to innovate. There, you know, there needs to be a fighters union. And I think I'm probably one of the only people capable of making that happen just with my entrepreneur uh, experience and uh, networking experience, being able to raise money. You know, just the union alone will probably have to have 25 to $50 million in funding to be able to sustain itself for a five to 10 year period. Um, I just raised $50 million for my company better. Um, so I have that experience. I think there needs to be a fighters union. There, there's just, there's, there's a lot that needs work in boxing. And then on the promotional side, helping people like Amanda Serrano make millions of dollars. Um, whereas before she was just so underpaid, um, and ushering in this new generation of boxing fans. Uh, so I, I think the boxing will definitely, definitely needs me. Um, as far as the sports world, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think the sports world needs me, um, but I think that I can help and, and bring new stuff and new cool content to, to the board and to the table. What's most important to you? Because I'm thinking about most valuable promotions. I'm thinking about better as well. Your other company, this is the first direct-to-consumer micro-betting focused sports betting company. So I wanted to make sure I threw that out there as well. What's most important to you, Jake Paul? Being a light heavyweight champion of the world or, 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 or having more followers than Kim Kardashian and the crew? They got about 330 million followers on Instagram alone. I mean, considering what you could be able, what somebody with your innovative mind would pull off, you'd be able to parlay that into something big time because that's what you've been doing thus far already. So what's most important to you right now? Um, boxing and training in the gym every single day uh, because everything else is is secondary to that if i continue to win inside of the ring everything else will fall in line the companies will grow the excitement will grow the brand deals will come in my followers will grow um so boxing is is number one for me over everything um and it will be for for years and years and years to come um and I have a really good team, man. So I, I couldn't do it without them. I couldn't do it without the better team. I couldn't do it without my content team here helping me with all of these things because there's so much of a workload and there's so much, uh, th there's massive to-do lists every single week when you're, you're trying to do multiple things like I am. Since you're a face of the new generation, as you so eloquently stated about me in the intelligentsia in August, okay, the new era, all right, uh, you know, as a 25-year-old, the personification of the new era in some people's eyes, what advice do you give to youngsters on the come up now, particularly considering the fact that you just said you've got a, you've got a team now. You never had that before. You surrounded yourself with the right people. That wasn't necessarily the case before. You even made, made amends with your brother. You and your brother got on the right track together. And when you think about the pitfalls and the minefields you had to endure and how you overcame them, what kind of advice would you give people, on the, especially youngsters on the come up? 
I would, uh, I would say stay true to yourself. You don't need to move to Los Angeles anymore to become successful. Um, you, you don't need to go away from your roots. Be authentic. Be so 100% authentically yourself because everything's fake on the internet now and people want that, that realness. They want the truth. Um, and work hard, man. Like everyone goes on Instagram and TikTok. They see all these cars and watches and they see the Kardashians wearing all this stuff and they see these perfect lives, perfect lives, but they don't know what it took to get there. And it takes everyday sacrifice. It takes bleeding, you know, from your face. It takes crying. It takes tears. It takes struggle. It takes manifestation, daily meditation to make sure your mind is up, is, uh, you know, can operate at a high level. Um, and build people up around you who, who you trust and just go all the way, all the way with them. Um, and don't fucking stop, you know, there's going to be road bumps. There's going to, you're going to hit a wall. You're going to have to hit the wall, break your shoulder from hitting it and then climb over it and keep on going. But that's how do you like, like how do you like this advice that I'll give? Make sure that when you're successful, you're not successful alone because you, if you surround yourself with people that ain't successful when you're the only one succeeding, they will ultimately serve to bring you down because they can't possibly be happy just watching you shine without getting some shine themselves. You like that? 1,000%. 1,000%. You need to surround yourself with like-minded individuals who understand that journey, um, who aren't jealous of you. I think jealous jealousy is like one of the most infectious it's a disease that's that's going through our generation right now and and people aren't happy for others i can build my skyscraper as high as i want without it knocking over your skyscraper why can't we all do this together right. um and and that is super super powerful prediction for your fight against anderson silver what's going to happen um, october 29th I, I'm, I'm going to KO him in, in under five rounds. Okay. Le'Veon Bell, by the way, former running back in the NFL, just beat Adrian Peterson, dropped him. He reached out to me. He's taking this, he's taking this stuff very seriously. He's on the undercard against MMA star Uriah Hall. What are you predicting for that fight? Man, it's going to be a war. I've never obviously seen Uriah box, um, and, and Le'Veon is such a good athlete. I, I think – People will be surprised with Le'Veon's performance, um, but the experience is in Uriah Hall's hands. Um, so I'm, I'm rooting for Le'Veon. Uh, I, I hope he wins, uh, but but I just think that Uriah Hall might have the edge here. Uh, but man, it's going to be such a good matchup. The whole night of fights, bro, on October 29th is crazy. We have give them Ash all, give them Hill. all, give them all. So give them all, so the audience knows. Give give the whole yeah. undercard. Go ahead. Ashton Silve, uh, who's the most valuable promotions, new prospect, one of the hottest prospects in boxing. Um, he's going up against Baralio Rodriguez. Great matchup there. Um, and then Dr. Mike, uh, influence, one of the best influencer boxers, going up against Chris Avila, um, who is from Nate Diaz's team. Um, and then you have Danny Barrios Flores from Phoenix, 10 and 0. Um, and then Adrian Rodriguez, 2-0 from Phoenix as well. So there's just like tons of talent and, and just exciting, differentiated matchups. All right. Last question. You going back to acting someday? I know you don't want to go back to L.A., but you I mean, I mean, if you win in, I mean, you know, they're going to come. They, Madison Avenue is going to come call you. Yeah, look, I, I'll, I'll be in Ohio uh, later this year. Um, it, it's always it's always good to go home and, and just 
get back in touch with with reality and, and with your roots and where you started. I got you, man. Good luck. Good luck, October 29th. Good luck with that whole card rooting for you because you know how I feel, how important you are to boxing, giving the profile of boxers and making sure that, you know, that they get the profile that they deserve and they're not hot held hostage by promoters. I love that. I love that agenda that you have in that regard. And also tell your brother, I said, what's up? I'll be talking to him soon, too. You take care of yourself. All right. Will do. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Thanks again to the one and only Jake Paul for joining No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith, which comes at you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's when I drop my podcast. Um, listen, very, very compelling points from Jake Paul. Um, I asked the questions that needed to be asked. He repeatedly acknowledged that He's misbehaved in his life. That he was young and dumb and living in L.A. and didn't surround himself with the wrong people and was trying to pursue the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And how the combination of it all gets you in trouble. That's a lesson for all of us to learn. Because I got news for you. I was in my 40s needing to learn that lesson. Some people are in their 50s and 30s and 20s still needing to learn that lesson. And we ain't making this money and we don't have this cachet. He even went as far as to say what I was at age 24, 23, 22, 21. Well, guess what? I'm 25 now, and this is a different Jake Paul. You heard me articulate his social media following. It's over 70 million combined on all of his platforms. It'll only elevate and proliferate if he continues to win in the sport of boxing, even if it's against UFC fighters or non-professional boxers, as I lament on too many occasions to count when it comes to him. And remember the theme of this particular podcast segment or this particular podcast period is social media influencers. The kind of impact they have, the manner in which they resonate. And how they're the one that they're the ones dictating things. They're the ones influencing change. They're the ones that you're not going to be able to get around. And if you're Jake Paul and you're one of those individuals that find yourself in precarious situations and circumstances, I have to admit it does help that he's in a position to control his own narrative to some degree. You got 70 plus million followers. Folks are going to have to listen to what you have to say. You get to spew whatever rhetoric you want to spew all over social media. You don't have to answer a damn question. But he was here on No Mercy with Stephen A. He didn't say no comment. I'm looking at my team. Nod your head if I'm wrong. Did he say no comment about anything? No, he did not. He answered questions. He didn't have to. Now, that doesn't make him a hero. But it doesn't make him the ultimate villain either. We don't know. Jake Paul is the personification of what this theme of this podcast is all about. Social media influencers, the new frontier. He's a part of the new frontier. He don't have to go through editors. He can either hire his own or he can avoid using one altogether. And he'll still be, he'll still reach more people than your local or national newspaper or television show, or radio program, 
because he's that impactful. And if this brother ends up really, really pulling off what he's aiming for and he becomes the light heavyweight champion of the world in the sport of boxing, my God. How you what, what, what what's anybody going to be able to do to stop him? Top rank promotions. Pro boxing, PBC, Al Heyman. Mayweather. Don King back in the day. Eddie Hearn. The list goes on and on. Jake Paul like, I don't need any of y'all. And if he doesn't need anybody. Could you imagine how LeBron James feels with his 134 million followers? Or Kevin Hart with his 155 million followers? Or Snoop Dogg with his 77 million million followers? Or Kim Kardashian with her 330 plus million followers? Or Kylie Jenner, for that matter, her half-sister? Lord have mercy. It's a new day. The new frontier. And guess what, y'all? We ain't talking about Star Trek. It's a different day. And whether we like it or not, pay attention. Because social media ain't going anywhere. And neither is Jake Paul. Hope y'all enjoyed today's podcast. Hope y'all had a marvelous time. I know I did. Stay tuned. Keep listening. Thank y'all for the support that you've given. Keep on listening every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm going to drop a podcast right here. No Mercy with Stephen A. Smith. Wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just getting started. And I'm going to get into a little bit of sports topics too because the NBA season is getting ready to start. The NFL is in vogue. There's a lot of sports stuff to get into as well. I just didn't want to inundate y'all with the obvious for the first two weeks. But I got a sports background. I ain't going to fade and disappear from that either. Not by a long shot. Having said all of that, I still end by telling you this. You don't have to know sports to know mercy. Stephen A. signing off. Until next time. Peace and love, everybody. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcast. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss